Now more than ever, it is harder to fly. That's why you need to know of AB Jets. If you want to be efficient with your time and fly with one of the safest private air companies in the world, then you need to use AB Jets. AB Jets has received the prestigious Argus Platinum rating the last eight consecutive years, which goes to less than 5% of operators in the world. AB Jets is one of the largest Lear 60 jet companies in the United States with nonstop access to most destinations around the U.S. Efficient, clean, and easy to work with, AB Jets is an experience that gets you where you need to go on time and with no hassle. Go to abjets.com for more information and book your trip today or call them at 888-520-JETS. That's J-E-T-S. I think, you know, it's important when you have something you want and, and you truly are willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Biggest thing you can always do, in my opinion, is be yourself. And I did that, you know, I have always done that throughout my profession. And I think when you're willing to throw it all out there and lay all your cards on the table for something you want, in my instance, as being the head coach at the University of Memphis, it really made a lot of sense to just let it be known and don't hide from that fact. Life's hard, but when you find your path in life, you'll find fulfillment. I'm Sam Coates, and welcome to the Driven By Podcast. On this show, I talk to people with purpose. And hearing these stories and conversations, my hope is that you'll see your path, which will bring out the best in you. Follow me on social, on Twitter and Instagram, at Sam P. Coates, and learn more about my guests and subscribe to the show at drivenbypodcast.com. My guest this week is University of Memphis head football coach, Ryan Silverfield. For those who live in Memphis or that follow U of M football, you'll remember when Ron was named interim head coach after Mike Norvell left and went to Florida State. And he made it known he wanted the job. He didn't hold back. He went all in telling everyone he wanted to be the next head coach at the University of Memphis. During this conversation, we cover from sleeping on cots at Hampton, Sydney, to being the head coach at the University of Memphis, how to have confidence in communicating what can be when you can't guarantee the outcomes, how to frame setbacks, why character matters, and more. Please enjoy this week's conversation with University of Memphis head football coach, Ron Silverfield. Hey, everybody. I'll just make this easy. Do you need insurance? Do you want another opinion about your insurance? Just go ahead and call Matt Haga with State Farm. It'll be easy. If you're thinking about it, just do it. We do have listeners to this show from all over the world, so this offers only for listeners in the state of Tennessee and Mississippi in the United States. Matt Haga State Farm offers auto, home, renters, business, and life insurance. Go to matthaga.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-A-A-G-A.com and contact them. When you contact Matt, tell him I sent you. Hey, everybody. I have one last quick cool company to tell you about. Are you like a majority of Americans who love the idea of working from home when you want to? If you do, then I bet you'll like to check out havenspaces.org. Havenspace lets you design the outdoor office of your dreams, but we make it easy and build and ship directly to you. Go to havenspaces.org 
That's H-A-V-E-N-S-P-A-C-E-S dot org to learn more and see how to connect with us. Full disclosure, I do own this company, but I'm willing to put it out here on this podcast because I know it'll make your life better. And they look pretty awesome too. Now we're going to get back to the show. Coach, good to see you today. See you. Thanks for having me on today, Sam. Yes, sir. First question, how do you stay awake what seems like an abnormal amount of time? Doesn't seem like you sleep very much. No, not a whole lot of time for sleep in this profession, but it's uh, a lot of things that keep me up at night, whether it's a uh, defensive end that can rush off the edge or making sure our players are doing what they're supposed to out at night and a thousand different thoughts um, and then try to be a normal human, which I don't know if there is such a thing, but uh, yeah, not a whole lot of sleep goes on, but that's okay. I always said I can rest when I'm retired, whenever the heck that happens. Yes, sir. One of the things that I just have been looking forward to the most talking with you is your ability to put it all out there and to risk getting your heart broken the way that you put it, but letting the entire city know that you wanted the job, why you wanted the job, but then obviously to win over the AD, Dr. Rudd, whoever else, board, for your ability to communicate your vision. So I'm curious, can you talk about the sense of confidence that you have to be yourself, but not to hold anything back and to go for it at the risk of getting hurt or not getting what you're truly dreaming for. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. I think, you know, it's important when you have something you want and and you truly are willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Biggest thing you can always do, in my opinion, is be yourself. And I did that, you know, I have always done that throughout my profession. And I think when you're willing to throw it all out there and lay all your cards on the table for something you want, in my instance, as being the head coach at the University of Memphis, it really made a lot of sense to just let it be known and don't hide from that fact. Like I said, I've you even heard in that introductory press conference, and even when I was in interim, nights of sleeping on cots, making $2,000, I've been unemployed after coaching in the NFL for six years. You know, it's just part of this profession. And uh, what drives me is being able to have the opportunity to be a football coach. And when you look at something that you dream of, being a head coach at a, a major division one school, a place like Memphis, it's okay to admit this is what I want. And I do feel like I'm the best man for the job and, and be able to show your vision and how this thing can work and all come together. And I think that was important. And it wasn't just because I tried to have the city of Memphis behind me or, or current and former players. It was Now let me go show all those people on the committee, you know, that were going to choose me as a head coach. Remember, I was their seventh interview. So there was a few other people, um, some that have most recently been named head coaches at other universities that wanted this job. And uh, fortunately, I got it, but I also felt like uh, this time where we are as a university was the right fit. And guess what? I have to prove that every single year. So regardless of what happened in the Cotton Bowl to eight and three this past year in the bowl win, uh, guess what? back to the drawing board because I'm going to have to go prove it uh, year in and year out, but I'm excited for that opportunity. What have you learned about how to communicate well when you think about the vision that's on your heart or the vision that you see that could be a possibility for the university, but how to articulate that and communicate that in an understandable and concise and clear way, especially with people where a lot of their daily time is spent analyzing proposals, memos, et cetera. How have you learned how to do that well 
And what insights can you share on that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is people see your genuine enthusiasm for what you want to do. And you can't BS that. People have the opportunity to sit down with you and look you face to face in the eye, especially before Zoom calls and the pandemic and say, man, this guy gets it. He cares about what he does. He does have a vision. And not only the people that are interviewing you, but also, guess what? The current staff and the players, this is how we're going to do things. And this is why and how it's going to be successful, right? So many people all the time throughout dreams and, and their goals uh, but if it doesn't have any backing of how you plan to do it, uh, then it's it's wasted motion and it's wasted words. And we live in a society now where we see on social media, well, I want to do this. So I'm going to do this. Well, it's like me. I'm on the tomorrow diet, right? Every day I wake up and I'm going I'm to start my diet tomorrow. And guess what? I'll say the same thing tomorrow. And it's I'm always on the, that pushing things off with that. But uh, setting a plan and a vision for what you want, especially for our program, the University of Memphis football program, I think it's important to be concise and say, here, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to have success on the field, uh, in the classroom, in society, in our, with everything we do. You have to have a plan in place. And guess what? We know that those plans can change, especially during the pandemic. Um, but you have to at least have an understanding of how things work and how we can have success doing so. Can you talk a little bit about your approach and knowing and have clarity on what you want but not losing that. For example, I think you have an incredible story from what I saw about getting hurt and then obviously coaching at Hampton, Sydney. I know you majored in economics, but then your first job, you went one and nine. But the article that I read talked about how you helped the practice field in the back or you were always studying film. You were always in the weight room. You were building relationships with those players. And then you, you got a new position at a university after that, but you've been open and honest about adversity you talked about before you came here. But, you know, I think of the book grit or that growth mindset, and it seems like your story and even the way you talk in public, you embody those characteristics. So I'm curious how you've been able for these last over two decades, how you've applied this mindset through different seasons, even when you did sleep on a cot in Hampton, Sydney, or even when you did have a rough first year, but now where you are today, just bringing that passion day in, day out. But I'm curious how you stay in a growth mindset. Yeah, it's great. Has it been easy? And I think, Sam, that's the most important thing is for anybody listening to this, that it's, it has not been easy. It's not. Look, I don't sit here and claim that my path has been tragic and, and difficult, but it, it hadn't been easy. And I think that's okay to understand that. And people sometimes want to shy away from the road less traveled or the harder path. And the path I've taken has been a difficult one. You know, here I am, a guy that didn't play a down in college football that started coaching when I was 18. And, you know, when by the age of 23, I was a head high school coach in Georgia and had coached college football for five years prior to that. But I think what you have to do is you understand that there's going to be challenges along the way. There's going to be uh, roadblocks. There's going to be things that are going to occur day in and day out, year in and year out, uh, regardless of what you do for a living. And how do you handle those obstacles? And I can sit there and say, okay, there's issues, but it's all about how I react to it, especially now as a head coach. And I think that's so important, right? There's been bumps in the road. I could have been when I was unemployed. You know, there are times I thought about quitting, but in the back of my mind, I can't quit. You never can. You don't have that. that that's a loser mentality. I mentioned it, you know, keep chopping wood in my, my interview, in my uh, press conference. And I think that mindset, just regardless of how hard it is, you know, if we lose a game, 
I, after the SMU game, right? I could have easily said, oh, well, we're not what we need to be. I'm, I'm not what they thought I was, and let's just go hang it up. And that the season's over after the players opt out. No, it's okay. How can we continue to get better? And I think, like I said, if you have passion for what you do and you love waking up every day with the ability to do this, what they call for a living, you attack every day with the right mindset. And, you know, we've used, you know, Sam, since I've been the head coach here, we've used this all in mantra. And that, that A, every letter stands for something, that A stands for attitude. And that's what it all comes down to, right? It's your approach every single day. What's my attitude when I wake up? Uh, is it going to be perfect? No. And that's, you know, for your listeners, that there's going to be things that are going to occur in life that are, are going to kick you square in the teeth. Are you going to get up and, and say, I can't do this anymore and tap out? Or yes, okay, let's take another shot of this thing. And I think that's the approach I've had every single day. And I love the, the thought of Memphis versus everybody because I still consider myself a Division three coach and nobody. And I keep that in the back of my mind. I still remember when I wrote every single Division one coach for two straight years, just begging to be a grad assistant. And I couldn't get a job because no one knew who I was. I didn't have a famous dad. I didn't play college football. And I think keeping that chip on my shoulder and I'm going to keep that the rest of my life uh, will allow me uh, hopefully to have success. Yes, sir. I know you majored in economics, or at least that's what I saw. Is that right? That is correct. You think you could be this consumed being an investment banker, an economist or a a teacher in in finance, et cetera? You know, look, it's not my passion. I, I do believe that no matter what you do, right? When this profession of being a football coach into me, if I keep working, I go decide to be a garbage man. I'll be damned if I'm not going to fight every single day to be the best damn garbage man in America. And I think that's your approach. It has to be. If someone's going to ask you to do something, uh, you can't half-ass it. And that's I think that's always been my approach. And, you know, even when I was an assistant coach, I always said my job is to be the best assistant coach in college football, right? Or whatever my role me. If if I'm going to be a water boy, I better be the best damn water boy in America. And so. It would be interesting. I've always challenged, you know, I've got friends that are uh, in the business world and some that are investment bakers and, you know, and in finance, I always wondered, well, what would make me different? You know, would it be trying to outwork everybody, um, try to study more? I, I don't know, but um, I'd certainly die trying. What is it about football? Just when, if you break it down, I'm curious why it appeals to you the way that it does. What is it about football? One of the reasons why I left the NFL, actually, had the opportunity to stay in Detroit, but I actually left the Lions to come to Memphis. Everybody says, why would you leave the NFL? And for me, it was an opportunity to make a difference in young men's lives. That's why I check on these guys where I'm as adamant that they're doing their homework assignments as I am that they know they're blocking assignments on fourth and one. And I think that's important because ultimately, I want these guys to have success in everything they do. And if I'm able to hold them accountable to all the things they say they want, whether it's to get a 3-6 GPA, whether it's to pray more, call grandma more, or, or be a first-team all-conference draft pick. Well, all those things they say they want to do, it's my job to hold them accountable to that. There's a lot of satisfaction in seeing a young man achieve his goal. So, look, I look like it, like I've got 120 sons, and uh, I have a full-time job taking care of them, making sure that uh, I am serving them in every form or fashion of what they do. And that's what I'm passionate about more than anything. Yeah, I enjoy game day. I love winning. I love hoisting trophies. I love being around this great coaching staff, but uh, nothing makes me happier than being around the guys and, and seeing them succeed in everything they want to do. And I look forward to continuing those relationships. I think that's what's so important. Yes, sir. Curious how you think about 
confidence, but also how you maintain your own identity with that. So when you were announced as the coach, you know, obviously you're following Norvell and before that Fuente, but you're, you're very clear. You don't shy away from anything about you personally or personally what you've done or how much you care or your sacrifice, but yet you're also painting this picture of success. And you're talking about the new heights and the new levels that the program's going to go to. So my point is it's not this Pollyanna. It doesn't come across as this Pollyannish kind of speech, rah-rah speech. That's just not rooted in reality, but at the same time, you're stating this vision of things that you see it and what you're going to swing the ax at for and what you're going to grind for and what the team's going to grind for. So I'm curious, how have you learned how to maintain that sense of honesty, but then also tell people where they're going when nobody really has control of if things are going to happen there, but you're willing to risk it and create that optimism. So from a leadership standpoint, there's no question about the way you talk about how hard you're working, how hard your team's working, the credit you give your assistants, the credit you give your players, but you're also painting this vision that is built off of optimism. So kind of what I'm saying, does that resonate with you, how I've seen it and B, how have you learned how to do that while also, you know, maintaining a sense of humility about it? Yeah. And I think you've touched on a bunch of those terms. I think my whole deal is, Let's be as real as can be. Let's paint that picture, what you want it to look like and how you're going to do it and have confidence that you're going to be able to get it done and use the word optimist. You know, I truly believe that uh, I'm not sitting here with a rah, rah, you know, clapping every day with pom poms, but it's, I believe in encouragement and doing it the right way in, in order to get these guys motivated to what we ultimately want to do. And so I think it's important to have confidence in the plan that's in place but you also can't have an ego. You know, every head coach has an ego, but this is what I want to do and this is how we're going to do it. And understand that I'm just a small piece of this puzzle. That's where the humility comes in because I failed. I have failed multiple times. I fail every single day, but I learned from those failures. And okay, what can I do? And understand that it's not just going to be about me. It's about so many other people. I think they appreciate how real we are. And I've been fortunate to to follow guys like Justin Fuente and Mike Norvell, who had great, great success. And I understand that there are certain expectations of me and our program. And I, I face those head on. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that we have success. Not only do I meet those expectations, but far surpass them. And no one's going to hold themselves to a higher standard than I am. And we have these standards in our program. And the old quote of the standard is a standard. We're, we're going to compete for excellence every single day in everything we do, whatever it looks like. And I think that the rest of the people in this program buy into that and they understand this ain't just some BS deal. This is the way we're going to approach every single day. And the players believe in it. The coaches believe in it. And we understand there's going to be days that aren't perfect. There's going to be hours of the day that aren't going to be perfect, but it's how you attack it and how you're approaching it every single day with that confidence that this is the right plan. This is the way we're going to do things and we'll ultimately have success on the field. Curious about your ability on reading people and seeing the needs that you have and then how you go about understanding that individual person, their drivers, their passions, but then also the things that you're looking for and who you want to recruit and who you want to put on your staff. For example, I know what I read was that you know, you, I don't know, passed up, was it seven to 13 opportunities before 
accepting the role here at Memphis. And I know you met with Nick Saban, et cetera. So you've obviously been recruited by some of the quote unquote top coaches in the country. You're bringing all that enthusiasm, that energy here to this program. You've obviously been able to been sought after by the university and the talented people there. So now you're continuing to build out your staff and recruit your players, et cetera. So what have you learned about people? What do you learn about understanding them personally and what makes them tick and then how to find the right people for what you're trying to build for your vision for the future? Yeah, I think it starts with by knowing what's best for our program. What do we want here? Also not having just a cookie cutter stereotype of what I want to bring in. I understand it's going to take people of all different backgrounds to go to recruit that the very first thing we look for other than athletic ability is character. And I think if you bring in people high character, regardless of their background, regardless of their energy level, their, their knowledge, if you bring in people of high character and the understanding to work the right way and share your vision, it will all work out because if they come in and they might not agree with everything I say, whether it's a player or a assistant coach, well, if they believe that, hey, you're going to put them in the best opportunity to have success, then the buy-in is going to be there. And so I try to judge character first and foremost, and a lot of it is spending time with them. I love to actually sit down with somebody and go for walks with players and be able to talk. And I've learned to listen a lot more. I think that's important. You know, one of the things, you know, head coaches love to talk, and I, I don't mind doing it either, but I, I got to listen. And I got to listen to what this, what is this recruit telling me? What's this coach telling me? Um, and it's just the right fit for what we want. And look, some of the best coaches we've hired, and I'll use an example, Kyle Pope, our defensive line coach. Okay. I interviewed five defensive line coaches before settling on him. He was the least experienced, uh, probably had the, for lack of a better term, the worst resume of all the coaches I hired. And that wasn't his fault. He's young, but he was the best person that when I sat down and interviewed, I said, this is the best fit for the University of Memphis right now. Now, hopefully Kyle's with us for a long time, and that doesn't mean five years from now uh, a Kyle Pope would be the best fit. But at the time, where he is right now, he's been absolutely wonderful. I love the way he coaches. I love his passion. I love his intelligence, the way he recruits. And guess what? That doesn't mean if I was the head coach at the University of Hawaii, Kyle Pope would have been the best fit for us right then. But where we are right now at Memphis, he's been wonderful, and I'm so glad he's on our staff. And I turned down some guys with you know NFL coaching experience and playing experience to hire a guy that I felt truly would mesh well with what we want to do. And it's been a home run hire so far. So that's just one example, but uh, you try to get a feel for people, ask those questions, spend time with them, get to know them. Uh, not just about what do they do, you know, for work, but find out what really makes them tick, what, what motivates them. And it may be the same deal, right? We've got nine true freshmen on our campus right now. And Guess one of these linebackers may not think or, or be motivated the way a running back is. And so I've got to talk to them, find out, have a little understanding of their background. And some of them, you know, as they're coming in, right, this guy's story, what it may be, um, what issues is he dealing with at home? Because not everybody's got a perfect background. And reality of it is, is how can you turn that in and get the most out of them and maximize their potential uh, on the field, in the classroom and with everything they want to do? When you saw Kyle, what did you see in him? I mean, I know you talked about what you love about him now, but I'm curious when you met him and when you interviewed him, what did you see with him? And then what were the gaps in your head that you felt like he hit head on? Yeah, I mean, he, he was passionate and very intelligent. 
charismatic, caring, detailed. He had a sense of energy. You know, you get around those people and you're like, man, I want to work with this guy. I, I can't wait for him to, to pour into our kids. It's going to be an advantage having this guy on our staff. I think, you know, being around him, you know, during an interview for an hour and a half, you get a good feel. And you talk to other people that have worked with him. And I think that's a good telltale sign, too. Like, man, he's, he's great. You should see the way he works, the way he, the kids believe in him. The kids love him. Hey, everybody. We're going to take a quick pause here from the show and hear a word from one of our sponsors. After that, we'll get back to the show. Do you want to make efficient use with your time? Now more than ever, traveling hassle-free is harder to find. AB Jets is one of the safest private air companies in the world with impeccable service with nonstop access to most destinations around the USA. AB Jets has received the prestigious Argus Platinum rating the last eight consecutive years, which goes to less than 5% of operators in the world. Bypass the hassle and get an AB Jets jet card that gets you 10 or 25 hour flight options that makes your experience hassle-free. AB Jets carries up to eight passengers and is one of the largest Lear 60 operators in the U.S. Go to abjets.com for more information or call them at 888-520-JETS, that's J-E-T-S, to travel on your own terms. So if we took like a specific incident or a specific call or a game or a personnel issue, and let's say it just flops, just not good. Curious, do you have a place you go to mentally to try to frame that in its proper way and then how to learn from it and move forward? Is there something that you've trained yourself over a period of time? Yeah, you know, I, I used to curse myself out, you know, in my own brain, uh, in my own mind, and do get frustrated. But that I've come to realize that there's things that are going to occur. And quicker I can get over a, a past experience that was negative or positive, regardless the better off I'll be. Now, I have to learn from that. I've got to learn from those experiences that didn't always go, whether it's a play call, a personal issue, a mistake I made in handling an issue, a quick reaction, right, from not having patience and understanding anything. So I, 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 t- I try now to sometimes, okay, take a deep breath and say, okay, it's not the end of the world. You got another chance. All right, learn from that. You know, keep it, keep it there so you can always make sure you understand why that failure occurred and then make sure you're improving upon that and working towards a way uh, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Imagine you have to what we're talking about right now. Imagine there's a lot of feedback loops that you have uh, through cell phone calls, texts, and emails. I'm curious how you, in addition to what we just talked about with that, how have you learned to use constructive criticism as feedback loops you just sound like somebody that's not going to disengage or that's not going to avoid it. But it seems like you try to use feedback as a way to iterate and improve. And I'm curious what it's like being in your position where you have a lot of channels of feedback, but then secondly, how do you use that to your advantage? Yeah. Well, I've been at a young age, I've been called a genius and I've also been called an idiot a day later. So, and then every day I get home and, you know, my Latin wife tells me how dumb I am anyway. So it all works (laughs) out. No, it's, it's part of it. You know, I don't, uh, I understand there's people that's right. So the old age, the taxi cab driver and the, the barber always going to tell you how to run for president and how to coach a football game. And, <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and like I said, we're very fortunate. We got great media here, but I can't, if I listen to everything the media said or the fans said, I, I'd drive myself crazy. I'd, I've jumped out a window a long time ago. 
I get that's part of the job and I'm, I'm fortunate. Look, I hope people continue to, to talk about the job I'm doing or not doing because that means I'm still in a good position. That's the nature of it. And so I've come to realize that people have a job to do, right? If it's a media member locally and they may say, well, why is this? And I, and I take what they're saying with a, a grain of salt and understand that, hey, how can I answer their question properly without getting frustrated or saying this is something I do? And if someone says, hey, you need to work on your play action passing game, I don't go and sprint to the office and say, okay, got to work on the play action passing game. No, it's it's the understanding this is what somebody sees through their lens and and I get that. But, uh, you know, I also have asked our coaches, tell me, what can I do better? Or I've asked our players, what are some of the things that I can work on? What can we work on? How can we make this a better overall culture uh, to improve upon? I think those are the things you got to go by. I think if I asked everybody their opinion on play calling, offense, defense, special teams, uh, I would run out of coaches to work with in this country. I think the biggest thing is someone finding out the way we approach things, right? Uh, how are the meetings set up? Is there a way we can... Uh, different food selections are there things that you know from a culture standpoint from a meeting standpoint how do they learn right are you guys more visual learners auditory and maybe it's a bunch of different things so those are the things that i think are really important for me to get feedback upon you know after the central Florida game people said fire your defense corner after the navy game people said fire your offense corner i like both of them just fine and uh <laughs> well, you guys are keeping me around we'll be fine so can't listen to that outside noise it's really having a true focus when it comes to our program and the way we do things, but then listening to those people within, it may be a suggestion, Hey, Ryan, on, on fourth down calls, you know, when we get into this situation, you know, the thought is maybe we, we, we see what they're lined up and then call time out and figure out what we want to do. Things of that nature within our program for the people I trust are important and it's going to allow us to excel. Uh, but I, I think with the rest of the stuff, I call it the outside noise and just focus on what we need to, or Nick Saban calls it fake news, you know, or just, or just locked and loaded or rat poison or whatever it may be. <laughs> yes, sir. Last question I got. I'm curious, just as much as you can share with your own twist, your own passion, what's the kind of future that you're trying to build and what do you see things in the next, let's say 10 years, the way that you articulated it when you took over the role, I'm curious to know what your own passion, what's your own heart, what that looks like with the program and what you're trying to build? Yeah, look, we've been very fortunate that recent past, um, we want to compete for championships, we want to win bowl games. Um, that needs to be our, our standards, our expectations. And I don't shy away from that. And then alongside that is, are we making a difference in these guys' lives? Right, These 18 to 22 year olds that uh, families have afforded me with the opportunity to impact them, be around them on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, are we truly doing those things that we said, right? If, they, if a guy comes to me and says, well, my goal is to get an internship at FedEx, well, are we doing everything in our power to make sure that this young man who probably won't play in the NFL gets that opportunity to intern at FedEx? And that's all part of this overall program. And like I said, that's how I measure success. When I'm ultimately going to be measured by the number of games we win and how many wins are on that left-hand side of the column. And hopefully there's quite a bit when my run comes to an end here, but what are we doing on a day-to-day -day basis so we're maximizing our potential as an entire program? And that's what I will ultimately view as a success. And this is what you would describe doing it the right way and swinging the ax. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's every single day coming with a new focus, the right approach, the right attitude. And I have used that mantra all in. Fam. And, you know, people say, well, that's just a corny adage. But to me, it's if we live by that, you know, with that A standing for attitude, 
that first L stand for little things, right? Attention to detail and everything we do, everything in our program matters. You know, that second L and they all stands for love. We talk about a true family. And I think if we operate like a family, we'll have success. That I and N stands for intelligence, right? Maximizing our young men's intelligence, whatever it looks like, not only in the playbook, but in society. And then that N is now. There's no better time. So if we take an all-in approach every single day, uh, I think we'll be quite happy with our results. Thank you so much for carving out time this afternoon. I can't wait to get this out. Appreciate it, Sam. Really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks. Go Tigers. See you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Driven By Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. Also, please subscribe to the show, follow me on social, and join me on this curiosity-fueled journey so that you can feel that same sense of purpose and see the opportunities that are right for you. All of this at drivenbypodcast.com. See you next time on the Driven By Podcast. Driven by Podcast.